Your source for community. Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Boyer's Modern History of Muskoka with your host, Patrick Boyer. A century ago, in the decade nicknamed the Roaring Twenties, political life for Muskokans was changing in many ways. Because politics is about everything, you know, an all-inclusive arena for whatever issues are stirring society, it's like a window on all the social and cultural and economic discontents. So let's examine the political unrest in Muskoka back then. The discord of the 1920s really began with the Versailles Peace Treaty, ending the World War's four years of devastation, and the Spanish flu pandemic's deadly toll of 50 million lives around the world, including several hundred in Muskoka. In Ontario and elsewhere, Farmers and workers bore the brunt of this, even while experiencing many other transformations. In the case of farmers, rural areas were emptying out as younger people and families gave up the hard, continuous toil of farming and moved into towns and cities for better paying jobs, less responsibility, more comfort, and greater convenience. In the case of workers, the shift to industrial methods in Canadian resource extraction and manufacturing, from logging and mining, the expanding scale of the pulp and paper industry, and steel making, meant more work, dangerous conditions, and lower pay. These trends, underway since the late 1800s, really took off under the wartime demands for food production, armaments manufacturing, and human sacrifice. No surprise, that produced organized responses. All across North America, the agrarian movement gave a strong voice to the needs and demands of those in agriculture. Farming still was the primary role of a large part of the Canadian population. Low prices for farm produce, high costs for farm implements, and transportation problems moving foodstuffs to market were shaking and breaking the economic foundation of agriculture. In Muskoka, the move off farms and into towns, or out of the district altogether, was accelerating. And organizations for workers had also emerged, unions at the local level and beyond wider labor movements with organizers and publications and manifestos seeking to improve working conditions, pay, and safety. Both groups developed 
distinctive organizations they hoped could solve their problems, such as cooperatives in rural areas and unions for workers. But the farmers and workers operated in a society which already had its structures in place, a tight patchwork of financial and legal institutions, banks, railroads, and businesses, and the conservative and liberal parties which those big interests funded at election time. And to make matters worse, an economic recession settled over the Canadian economy after the war ended, and it lasted for half a decade. So fitting into that world in order to change how the system dealt with farmers and workers, to introduce new programs and to enact effective and relevant laws, meant political action was inescapable. Instead of asking governments to take action as they had, farmers and workers developed new political parties to directly articulate their demands, organize their members, and advance their interests themselves. In Muskoka, farmers began organizing even as the First World War was ending. On November 10th, 1918, one day before armistice between Germany and the Allied nations took effect on November 11, a date we solemnly mark, Muskoka farmers from Draper Township filled to overflowing a schoolhouse on the town line. Joining them that Tuesday evening were farmers from Fraserburg, Purbrook, Monsell, and other rural sections of the district. Thomas Gray, a respected local farmer, chaired the meeting. His fellow farmers filled the room with exchanges of opinion about what the war's end would mean for them. After calling the assembly to order, Chairman Gray introduced an Aurelia man named McKinnon, who was accompanied by a fellow organizer named Kamek from Washago. They'd come in response to local farmers keen about establishing a Muskoka section of the UFO. Now, by the 1950s, UFO would mean an unidentified flying object. When spaceships were sighted in Muskoka skies, either from distant galaxies or Soviet and or American secret operations. But back in the 1920s, UFO stood for the United Farmers of Ontario, akin to the Grain Growers Union on the prairies. In his schoolhouse speech to these farmers, McKinnon explained how the Grain Growers Union, or GGU, had successfully achieved better means of marketing their grains, buying commodities at fairer prices, and getting beneficial measures through the Western province's legislatures. This highlighted the issue for farmers. Do we continue pressuring government through farm groups or move into the political arena and implement the measures ourselves? The tide was running in favor of direct action. One reason was that the traditional political parties, 
strongly representative of farmers for generations, had been shifting with the rise of cities and an expanding number of urban voters who had different interests and needs. In Ontario, the Conservatives had embraced modern views of urban inhabitants and been rewarded by their votes. These progressive Conservatives formed a provincial government in 1905, ousting the Liberals in office for decades and closely wedded to their agrarian base of support and rural interests. Now, the Liberals seemed weak and out of step. Characteristically, farmers don't talk openly much, especially with non-farm folk, about their plans. So it came as a surprise to Ontarians when, just two weeks prior to this meeting of Muskoka farmers, Benaya Bowman had been elected to the provincial legislature on October 24th in a by-election. Bowman, a UFO candidate, was now the MPP for Manitoulin to Muskoka's Northwest. A political unknown, Benaya Bowman overnight became big news in a province where uncertain shifts were afoot. To rural communities, he became an inspiring example of what might be possible. News of politically organized farmers winning seats in the provincial assembly became even more sensational in the spring of 1919 when another UFO candidate, John Wesley Whittyfield, was swept into office, this time on the other side of Muskoka, in Ontario North constituency, also in a by-election. With the United Farmers of Ontario, it was no longer farmers running as conservatives or liberals, but straight up unfiltered representatives of agriculturalists and their own interests. Whittafield was a well-known farmer with a respected reputation. He'd advanced agricultural methods by implementing ideas and methods learned at the Ontario Agricultural College in Guelph and later at University of Toronto. These two by-election results were dismissed by Premier William Randolph Hearst and the Conservatives as harmless protests by voters letting off steam, believing the results in a couple by-elections could not harm the popular Tory government itself. However, an out-of-sight groundswell was gaining force. After a short break for important messages from Muskoka sponsors of this Hunter's Bay radio program, we'll see the surprise that that was about to deliver in Ontario. This is Dr. Shervin. Hello. Dr. Shervin owns a dental practice in Huntsville. Yes, ma'am. But it's not only a dental practice. Dairy Lane Dental plays a major role in our community, supporting organizations that enrich your town like Community Radio, being a member of the Bay Food Crew, and Huntsville Hospital Foundation Business Cares Program. Dr. Shervin and his team at Dairy Lane Dental knows that alongside truly understanding their patients by providing a pleasant dental experience comes a responsibility to take care of our home. This is correct. Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. Buy Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. 
This is Boyer's Modern History of Muskoka with your host, Patrick Boyer. Welcome back. I'm Patrick Boyer, and we're looking at the start of the Roaring Twenties a century ago with a 1919 provincial election in Ontario. As we rejoin the scene in the schoolhouse, political organizer McKinnon was telling the Scopans that United Farmers of Ontario membership had surged from 14,000 just a year before to 40,000. In the controversy over conscription, he added, if the United Farmers hadn't organized big demonstrations at Ottawa and the provincial capital, quote, farms would have been stripped of their young men last summer, close quote. The UFO speaker from Aurelia galvanized the Muskoka farmers by reminding them how manufacturers could set their own prices on items they produced, while farmers were never able to set the price of their produce themselves. He pointed out how the price these men from Muskoka's concession lines got for hides at the Bracebridge and Huntsville tanneries had fallen by more than half during the war, while the cost of shoes they had to buy was three times their pre-war price. To meet the communications challenge farmers faced, McKinnon emphasized public education about issues and because, quote, the city dailies are controlled by the big interests, it is therefore necessary to have a daily paper in the farmer's interests, close quote. In short, the UFO was organizing big time. He explained, quote, the United Farmers of Ontario are not against any government, and are not against town people. High tariffs hit town laborers, mechanics, and others just as they do farmers. What we want are equal opportunities to all, special privileges for none." Close quote. The meeting had not been in vain. Now inspired by McKinnon's clarity of mission, the farmers did what most already intended and voted into existence a Muskoka branch of the United Farmers of Ontario. The elected T. Gray president, Herb Shire, the vice president, and Arthur Lee, secretary treasurer. Next, they would need to nominate a candidate for the long-awaited provincial general election. While Muskoka farmers organized themselves as a branch of the United Farmers of Ontario, Workers in the district were also responding to the war's dire impacts. Economic and social pressures reshaping their lives had not vanished because of an armistice signed in Europe on November 11, 1918. Throughout that winter, workers across Canada thrashed out ideas. By spring, they began sprouting. On May 15th in Winnipeg, building trades and metal workers walked off their job sites. In support of their strike, other Winnipeggers left their factories and shops. Then across the city, transit services and government offices next shut down. For more than five weeks, 
the biggest city in Canada's geographic center was stilled with more than 30,000 workers off their jobs. The Winnipeg general strike of 1919 was the largest in Canadian history. It produced arrests, injuries, and the deaths of two protesters. The workers used economic pressure to bring an organized operating society to a dramatic standstill in order to win higher pay, safer working conditions, and to get from Manitoba's government legal recognition of their unions and the principle of collective bargaining. Elsewhere across Canada, unions having organized their members now led them into strike for better days, a fairer share of the economic pie. Adding to the discord, thousands of returning soldiers found no work. Canada had become a cauldron of massive unemployment, inflation, dismal wages, economic recession, poor working conditions, and since 1917, Russia's inspiring example of workers toppling the aristocracy which had exploited them. In Ontario, moving from strikes in the streets to political action in the legislature had been frustrated by an electoral system created by and suited for just two political parties, the Liberals and Conservatives. Only in industrial Hamilton, with its large electorate of workers, had a Labour Party candidate prevailed. In East Hamilton riding, Alan Studholm, first elected in a 1906 by-election, was re-elected in 1908, 1911 and 1914, a lone stalwart of labor in the Ontario Assembly. Muskoka registered the same turmoil that the Great War caused everywhere. Workers went on strike at a Bracebridge tannery for a wage increase of 30 cents an hour, while farmers struggled against everything from conscription and low commodity prices to higher input costs and lack of effective political representation. And as the war's cross pressures accentuated the divide between farm communities and urban areas, that gulf continued to widen because rural migration to Ontario cities accelerated. Within a year of Muskoka's branch of the United Farmers getting organized, Premier William Randolph Hearst, a conservative from Sault Ste. Marie, said October 20, 1919, as voting day to elect 111 members to the legislature. And for the first time, women had the vote. The two UFO MPPs, Benaya Bowman from Manitoulin and John Whittefield in Ontario North Riding, sought re-election. And elsewhere across Ontario's rural and small town communities, Dozens more UFO candidates were filing their nomination papers with the returning officer. Premier Hearst and the Tories generally remain, remained confident, unconcerned, even mockingly amused. The UFO Hearst liked reminding Ontarians didn't even have a leader. The Skokas UFO leaders, Gray, Shire, Lee, and others, were dedicated to the cause, but remained hung up on the perennial dilemma 
of whether to just talk big about reform or to actually put your life into it. Despite a good number of UFO candidates across the province, even a couple who'd won by-elections, they demurred. Probably the by-elections had indeed been aberrations, as the Premier said. So why jump into a general election and lose face? Muskoka's UFO adherents sensed the confidence of the Conservatives campaigning for incumbent MPP George Ecclestone. And while others might have judged that confidence as the arrogance of comfortable office holders, the Muskoka farmers took it at face value. Besides, a lot of their Muskoka friends and neighbors were rib-rock conservatives. Why risk good relations needed in the local farm community just for the sake of railing against big interests, big dailies, and big cities? The UFO organizations were entirely community-based. Without a head office, nobody was ordering Muskoka's UFO to field a candidate. It was up to them. The district's stolid farmers gave a backcountry shrug and left the battlefield to seasoned partisan troops. While George Ecclestone was renominated as conservative candidate, influential and popular North Muskokan Harmon Rice, editor of the Huntsville Forester, got the liberal nod. Harmon was as liberal as his weekly newspaper. So in according him the party's nomination, astute local grips got a two-for-one bargain, a strong candidate, and an updated eight-page newsy election brochure regularly circulating throughout Muskoka every seven days. Without the district's United Farmers fielding a candidate who could reconfigure the choice facing electors, and despite the shifting ground under the province's political landscape, for Muskoka voters, the 1919 Ontario election remained the traditional two-way slugfest. October 20 dawned with fine autumn weather across most Ontario. Premier Hurst welcomed the day, confident, as many others were, that by sundown voters would have reinstated him as Premier. However, late into the evening, as returns continued to be tabulated in Ontario's 111 constituency, everyone was shocked, including the winners. The election's unprecedented outcome gave birth to a third-party government and heralded the new era of multi-party elections and many parties at Queen's Park. The United Farmers won seats all around Muskoka, Manitoulin to the northwest, Ontario north to the southeast, both Victoria County ridings to the east, and the three Simcoe County ridings to the south. To the immediate north, Liberals took Perry Sound, a separate electoral district at this time, from the Conservatives. Of Muskoka's 10,254 registered voters, the 6,875, that's about 67%, who turned out at the polls, gave 3,054 ballots to Ecclestone, 2,764 to Rice, 
and 789 to independent candidate Dalton Armstrong. If the UFO had fielded a candidate in Muskoka, the mood for change could have attracted, as in so many other ridings, enough votes from Muskoka's farmers, workers, and other protest voters who'd cast ballots for independent Armstrong to come up the middle between Harmon Rice and George Ecclestone and land as an MPP in the legislature. Future events would show that such a scenario was not far-fetched, as we'll see in an upcoming program. Conservative Premier Hearst lost to a Labour candidate, while the Conservatives fell from a majority government 14 years in office to having a remnant contingent of 25 MPPs, including Muskoka's member. Candidates for the leaderless United Farmers of Ontario had more MPPs than any other political entity. The UFO's two seats in the legislature had mushroomed to 45. The Labour Party's single seat had multiplied to 11. Liberals had gained slightly with 28 members. Although farmers and labor together won just one third of the popular vote, far from majority support, their total of 56 MPPs could outvote the 53 liberals and conservatives on the opposition benches. This showed for the first time how the electoral system meant one group could get 100% of the power with only 33% support, a defect still operating today, a century later. Because the United Farmers had far more seats than Labour, choosing the Premier fell to them. The UFO chose Ernest Drury, a farmer in Muskoka's neighbouring Simcoe County. The son of Ontario's Minister of Agriculture in a former Liberal government and a respected farm leader in his own right, Drury was sworn in and named a coalition cabinet. His farmer labor government took office on November 14, 1919, just in time to handle all the hot issues and deep discord of the Roaring Twenties. Thank you for listening to Boyer's Modern History of Muskoka. Our program's producer is Jacob Krieger. I'm Patrick Boyer.